Nancy. Welcome to episode 67 of the Front Porch Book Club. The Front Porch Book Club is a podcast that meets twice a month. We like to dig deep into the relationship between characters and the worlds they live in. Grab your book and iced tea and join us on the Front Porch. Well, Linny, as we're recording this, it's the day after Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you had a good turkey day. Well, I did. Did you? Yes, we had a very good time. It's very small, little, immediate family grouping of us, but we ate lots of turkey. And I tried a new recipe that my son recommended. Often, the family is a family of traditionalists. We can only have even the exact same recipe for every dish year after year. This year, I was allowed... and even encouraged to try a cranberry custard pie with a ginger crust. And so that was a fun, interesting (laughs) new addition to the dessert board. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah, it was good. Did you like it? I did like it. Yeah, I thought it was very good. Now, we do pumpkin pie in Pennsylvania. Most people do pumpkin pie here. What's the traditional pie in Nebraska? Linda, Nebraska is part of the United States. Pumpkin pie is the traditional. Oh, well, some people do like sweet potato pie or apple pie. (laughs) No, we also had the traditional pumpkin pie. Oh, you did. <laughs> we eat turkey out here in Nebraska, too. <laughs> well, of course you do. <laughs> that is too funny. Yeah. Yeah. Traditional family gathering here. Mm-hmm. It's all very good. Good. But instead of pumpkin pie, we had pumpkin. What do you call that? Like low carb pumpkin muffins or cake, little cakes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There was pumpkin mashed potatoes and green bean casserole. I did not have any dessert, but I will eat that today. Yeah. I definitely get people doing low carb. For me, the best part of Thanksgiving dinner, in fact, is the carbohydrates. So I had a lot of stuffing. I love stuffing. (laughs) You do. (laughs) I do. I just love stuffing. Yeah. So we're going to release this episode in December. Jingle, jingle, jingle. You're so good with the sound effects. Where are my sleigh bells? (laughs) bells. You you, you could have some actual sleigh bells, yeah. Jingle, jingle, jingle. (laughs) So our little ritual is every December we do a children's book that people might consider purchasing for the child in their life if they have one this year. Our book is called Marshmallow Clouds by Ted Kuzer and Connie Wanick, illustrated by Richard Jones. I think our listeners, whether they like children's books or not, will enjoy this episode since this is not a typical children's book. Mm -hmm. Rather, it's 30 poems and they're loosely framed by four elements. And those elements are fire, water, air, and earth. Since I knew we were doing a podcast, I was like, I want to read this kind of as I'm a mom reading this book to my child. That's kind of how I read it. Yeah. But I liked the poems in and of themselves. So I think adults would like it too. 
I totally agree. These are not like sing-songy nursery rhyme kind of poems. They're very interesting. Not surprisingly, because their authors are two very accomplished poets. Ted Kuzer's poems have been collected in a number of full-length volumes and special editions and have appeared in many literary periodicals. A number of his poems appear in textbooks and anthologies currently in use in secondary school and college classrooms. He served as the U.S. Poet Laureate for an unusual two-year term. He's won a Pulitzer Prize in poetry and for 15 years edited a weekly newspaper column, American Life in Poetry, which continues to be carried in a number of newspapers and is available online at www.americanlifeinpoetry.org. The column has an estimated circulation of over four and a half million readers around the world. He is the Presidential Professor Emeritus at the University of Nebraska, where he taught the writing of poetry. Connie Wanick has four books of poetry and a collection of stories called Summered Cars from 2014. Her honors include the Willow Poetry Prize, the Jane Kenyon Poetry Prize, and a Witter Binner Fellowship at the Library of Congress. Last but not least, the illustrator, Richard Jones. He is a Brit who is known for beautifully layered textures with a gentle, muted palette and memorable characters. So, Linny, my first question for you. Do you read much poetry? <laughs> I read no poetry. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a little bit of a stretch for me. However, I appreciate poetry. I don't read it. And I had a poetry creative writing class in high school. What? So many years ago. Yeah. I do not remember that. Yes. And from that class, I began to write some poetry. I kind of liked it. And I kind of thought, hey, I think I'm pretty good at this. Because she taught you the different styles and different ways of writing poetry. And they didn't all have to be rhymey, rhymey, but some of them were. And what the verses were and which lines should rhyme and which didn't have to and all different kinds of structures of poetry. And we put pen and paper and tried to figure out how to do it ourselves. So that was my first real exposure to poetry. And I liked the class, but I haven't done anything in poetry since then. (laughs) But I liked expressing myself that way. I did find that I liked expressing myself that way. Wow, that's amazing. I don't remember that at all. Do you remember who the teacher was for that? What grade were you in? No, I don't know. (laughs) Somewhere in high school. I liked the creative outlet that it gave me, and I liked creating something out of nothing. Yeah. And so I did find it kind of whimsical and creative, and I enjoyed it. If I would have remembered that, I would have asked you to dig up some of your old poems to share them on the podcast. I'm sure those are long gone. I don't think I have any of those. <laughs> that would know. be interesting to find and see what I what I was thinking about. Yeah. You'll have to look in your old school book, the one that we had an envelope for every grade. See if there's something stuffed back in there. Yeah. I wonder where that would be. I have no idea. (laughs) Well, Nancy, do you read much poetry? No, I really don't read much poetry. I did read the American Life in Poetry column. Our paper carried that. I I still carries it. 
And that felt like something I wanted to do because Ted was the compiler of that. And he always had a very nice intro either into the poem or the poet and then the poem. But I can't say that I read a lot of poetry. I do get the New Yorker. The New Yorker always has poetry in it. But it's not my preferred narrative form, I guess I would say, because often I really love a strong narrative thread. I love stories. I love plot. And often poems are more about feeling or descriptive. Somehow I feel like I don't have the patience for it, which I feel is a personal failing, not a failing of poetry. But I did enjoy these poems quite a bit. Hmm. What did you enjoy about this book of poems? I did enjoy that they were kind of loosely categorized. I mean, that gave me enough of a story spine that I felt like I could work with. Just the idea of, look, we're going to investigate in a very loose way these four elements. I thought that was interesting. It gave me something to think about more than just the poem. Like, oh, now why would this be included in this category? It gave me like more to chew on, which I really liked. Do you know what the four elements made me think of? Do you remember The Last Airbender, the animated children's cartoon? Sure, yeah. Do you remember that they worked with those four classical elements too? Yeah, it's coming back to me. (laughs) (laughs) But a wild dance. (laughs) Marshmallow Clouds. First of all, I like the title because it's creative. It is kind of whimsical. And so I think it's a good name for the overall book. A review of this book says a brilliant and timeless collaboration that evokes both the mystery and grandeur of the natural world and the cozy mundane elements of life. That is the most descriptive and point on review ever of this book. To me, it was those mundane life things that really struck me. There's a poem about like a fire, a barn, horses, mm-hmm. <laughs> July, being hot outside. Right. <laughs> so I think the children typically have those concrete elements of, oh yeah, I know what a horse is. I know what it's like to be hot outside. I know what it's like to lay on the ground and look at the clouds go by. So for me, those mundane moments, oh, a fly swatter. <laughs> yes. You know, those things that most people are aware of, that to me was an interesting part of the book, just the mundane parts of life, and then to create poetry from those. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I do also like the natural world, because I think all of the poems have something to do with the natural world, whether it's lying outside and looking at marshmallow clouds, whether it's the fly of the fly swatter, it immerses you in the natural world, which I think more and more kids are not as exposed to in the way even that we were growing up. And so I think this is a wonderful immersion into a world that might feel a little foreign in some ways, even though it's right outside your back door. That's an interesting perspective. That makes me a little sad if they're not exposed to those things. When I was reading through these poems, I did not note which author wrote which 
poem. To me, that didn't affect at all. I thought it was a nice collection, but that they all did sort of have the same theme or the same feel to them. It didn't feel like two different authors to me. And I did also think it was interesting that they don't even attribute the poems. So you never know which poet wrote which poem. (laughs) Well, no wonder I didn't take note. It's not in here. Okay. (laughs) No attributions. Interesting. I even looked like, well, at the end, surely they will attribute who wrote which poems. But I, I don't think it was anywhere in the book who wrote which poems. Oh, I just noticed that now. Which did make it just kind of a beautiful, flowy book of poetry. Yeah. What did you think of the illustration? I loved the illustration, Nance. Loved the illustrations. Yeah. Yeah, they're very, well, you described it very well in what you said at the opening about this illustrator. But I really like that they're... uh, I don't know. You kind of almost say like they have a light stroke to them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm going to use the word whimsical again. I just really like them. Um, so I think that's a real strength. The review is very good. They are muted colors. Mm-hmm. They're very easy on the eyes. Of course, I loved the um, illustrations. On the title page, there's an illustration of a kitty sitting at a dining room table. And um, the kitty kind of looks like my kitty, Panzer. Really? Yeah, little black kitty. Oh, I see that. Yeah. Sometimes Panzer will sit on a a chair like that. I like the boy that's looking out on his blanket up at the the sky. And he's seeing like there's a little dog or something in the sky. But that's what he's, he's thinking that that cloud looks like a dog. And all of the illustrations definitely illustrate the poems that they are related to. Yes. But some of them aren't so literal that they're boring. In fact, none of them are so literal that they're boring. You kind of spend some time looking at the illustrations. Yeah, I did the same thing. Read the poem and then I looked at it. The One of the very first ones, it might be the first one, the disappointment that talks about the tree and the way the tree is looking like a man who is juggling a pie, yes. you know, on one foot. I'm like, well, oh, no, that's an interesting thing. I wonder, I'm trying to think of it in my head, like, oh, how would that be? And it's like, oh, look, the illustrator has a tree like that. Yeah, it does kind of look like that. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of it, there's a little fox running out of the frame, which I thought was so cute Yeah, on that one, too. Okay, I want to talk about a disappointment because I thought that was a interesting placement of that poem. So that poem is the only one that's not categorized as one of the four elements. Oh, I didn't notice that, Nance. Really? Yeah. Oh. It is before the first section. It stands on its own before you get into the elements, the first one being fire. So that made me think about prefaces or opening chapters to books, because it's just not by happenstance that that poem stands alone. So what are the authors trying to convey by starting this book with this standalone poem, and then you get into the rest of the book? So I want to read that poem, because I think it's so great. And here it is. I thought I saw a winter tree clowning around on the top of a hill 
up on one leg and juggling a pie on the end of a stick. But my friend, who always sees things as they are, told me no, that both the clown and the pie were all in my imagination, that what was really there was only a squirrel nest out on the end of a branch, and the nest was old and cold, and even the squirrel was gone. Oh. Yeah. So thoughts about how this sets the tone of the book. So for me, I thought, well, okay, why would we start a book with a poem called A Disappointment? And I thought it is all about engendering wonder and imagination. So don't let people like their friend who always sees things as they are, crowd out the wonder and imagination that you can go through life with. Yeah, like that we're setting the tone that we're going to be imaginative through our poetry in this book. Come along with us on this ride. Put away your side of you that's serious or that's cynical and be imaginative with us as we ride a different wave. I didn't even realize that that was the pre Now now I really like that. I mean I like the poetry, but seeing that that set the tone really for the book. I I did not pick up on that Nance. Was that your favorite poem in the book? No, I loved the poems in the fire section the best. It might even be the very next poem that is my favorite. And I think it's because this is the first poem that really shows us the way the poets are going to present the world in such a creative way. And it's called Meteor Shower. The imagery is incredible. So I'm going to read this. Just before sunrise, I counted nine meteors scratching the heavens, just little scratches, the kind a cat might make while playing with a ball, a great black cat and an enormous ball that glittered, everything and all of us inside. (laughs) I mean, what? Yeah, I love that. That is so great. (laughs) I love it. It just, yeah, that's what meteors are. They're like little cat scratches. (laughs) It's just incredible, right? Yeah, I like it. And I like the illustration of the little black cat looking up at the sky, at the dark sky, with the little paw raised looking at the meteors, which which could actually be cat scratches. Yes. I like that. That was cute. (laughs) I really like that. I like the fire section a lot, too. I would say that was probably my favorite section, Nancy. What? I wrote down my five top. Okay. And two of my five top are in the fire session. I really liked July and I liked fireplace. But I'm going to read July. Yes, those are so good, too. Now, here's the thing. I like being hot. You do. You like hot weather. Yeah. So, so this poetry is what I like about being hot and in July. So I'm going to read it. One summer day, I was boiled and salted like a peanut. 
I was the meat in a heat sandwich, the dog in a hot. I was the crimson crayon melting in a sunny car, the color of firecrackers and flags and Mars, where once water cooled the red stones. Finally, the sun set and someone let the crickets out. (laughs) They opened the firefly jar. The darkness filled with blinking stars like whispers for my eyes. I love that. (laughs) First of all, I'm one of those crazy people that gets in a car that's 120 degrees. And when I get inside, I go, ah. (laughs) (laughs) I love feeling like a salted peanut. I love feeling warm and hot. I love a hot tub. So that sizzly skin. Ah. That page is very red and hot, and I love that. Uh, And crayons have melted in my car. And then I just love those summer sounds, the crickets. I love that. I love when the crickets come out. I love firefly jars and opening up the firefly jars. I love looking out at the stars and seeing them. I loved Thunderstorm, too. I think we should read that. Oh, I did like that one. Okay. Thunderstorm. This one's gotten up in the night and, not wanting to wake us, stumbles around, bumping the walls of the long, empty hallway leading away. Now and then, lighting a match and then, just as quickly, blowing it out. Ah, I know. I like that one, too. I love that idea of the thunder stumbling around, not wanting to wake us up, bumping into walls in the long hallway. And that's what it sounds like. Yeah, it does. And then lighting a match and blowing it out. That's really cool. Well, I really love the fireplace too, but we did so many here in the fire section, but I really did like the fireplace. I think you should read the fireplace. That's so good too. We kept our fire safe in a playpen where we feed it. Mostly leftovers from the woods. And fire is a good eater. Tasting everything. It can grow quickly, gnawing on each new log. Then, like a happy wolf pup, it howls. It has no stomach, though. So fire is never full, never satisfied. That's why, no matter how it begs, we must never set it free. (laughs) I love that. Yes. (laughs) And then the illustration has this wolf in the fireplace howling, which it does. Yeah. Oh, there's so many good little stories in here. I like the harpist, Nance. Yes, I like the harpist too. And I like the barn. I mean, it's just so hard. There's 30 of these. So it's hard just to select the ones, but... Can I read The Harpist? Yes, it's just amazing. I like music and I like creating music. So I think that this spoke to me because it's very musical. Mm -hmm. What section is she in? She's in air, yeah. Okay. She has taken a great golden moth into her arms and with both hands, she keeps its wings pressed close to keep it from flying away. And now she is drawing it closer and smoothing the veins in its wings as if to comfort it 
or bring a pleasure. And the dust that she brushes away sprinkles into the circle of light, twinkling as if it were music. I said that beautiful. Yes. <laughs> and what great imagery. Yeah. The thing about that that so amazed me is the imagery, you can see what it would be like for someone to be holding a golden moth in her arms. I mean, it just describes it so beautifully. Mm -hmm. That's neat that that's in the air section. See, I, I didn't really notice those sections as I was going through. Now, this was one book that I couldn't get on my Kindle. And I was wondering if I could have gotten it on my Kindle, I guess the art would have been there. But to me, the illustrations were such an important part of this book. It kind of brought the the um, elements of the poetry alive for me. I absolutely agree. They were an important component of enjoying the poems for me. Too. Yeah. And I think for kids, they would be because they could look at the illustrations as you were reading them. I think so. And there are just some sly little funny things like in cow pie, here are all of these people that you're looking at as if from a high rise window and they're walking almost on what looks like a maybe a plaza with long slanting shadows. And then over here in the corner, you don't see the cow. You just see the shadow of the cow. Mm. It's just interesting enough to look at that you search a little bit and there's lots for your eyes to look at and kind of make sense of and connect it to the poem. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask you if you read the afterword. Oh, I did. Yeah. So the afterward, there's personal notes from both Ted and Connie, and then they both also have one additional poem. And I think both of them are talking about imagination and seeing things around you that others may not see. I thought that was really fun and interesting to hear directly from the poets and then get two more bonus poems. So what did you think of the afterword? I liked it. And now that I know that the poems weren't really designated as you read through it, these two are. Yeah, I like them both. Both very different, one the submarine and one the turtle. Do you think reading this book would spur kids to want to try their hand at poetry? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I do wonder if especially since they are very familiar topics that these authors are dealing with, if a child might start looking around and say, oh, well, I can see things differently. And how would I capture that in words? If I was a school teacher, that would be your writing prompt, right? Yeah. I don't know that as a child, I could get there. Like my, my poetry class wasn't until high school. And I was like, huh, how do you do poetry? But yeah, I think that that's a great writing prompt, looking at these and then challenging kids to create their own poetry. I think they would like that. I think that that could inspire kids and that they would like that. And then they could recite their poetry or the teacher could bind them all up in a little book for presents for parents or whatever. Yeah, I'd like that idea, Nance. And I think even a parent could do that with their child. Yes. Oh, this car grumbles like a monster. I wonder if we could write a poem about that. I think it would be fun. Oh, that would be great. Oh, 
I wasn't that creative. As, I don't know if I was that creative as a parent, but I love that, Nancy. <laughs> I wasn't really into poetry with my son growing up. I kind of wish I would have had this book and had some of those talks and experiences with him to ask him to think creatively about the world around him. Did you have the Shel Silverstein book of poetry? No. Yeah, we had that and read it a lot. Very subversive poems in oh, that book, which of course were a, a huge hit. <laughs> so good. Who would you recommend this book to, do you think? Well, I love your idea. Uh, well, maybe that was my idea of a school taking this on as a an idea to get kids to creatively write and do some writing prompts. So I like that. I do think children would enjoy it. I know I enjoyed it. It's like a lot of kid things. I think adults can watch kid movies and enjoy it. And to me, I enjoyed reading Marshmallow Clouds. Yeah, I think this is definitely a book I could read over and over again, or just pick out a poem or two and say, well, hey, we were just outside in the hot July sun. Let's grab marshmallow clouds and let's read July again. Mm. And they're also short enough a person could memorize them. And that would be fun as well. Right. Yeah, some of them are. Yeah, some of them are short. So I think anywhere from preschool on up yeah. could really enjoy this book. And, and the parents would enjoy reading them. Yeah, I think so. Well, Nance, that will end another year for us. So now we have to look forward to January. At our next podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about next year. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about 2023 and then look forward to 2024. We had a great year, Nance. We did. We've read a lot of great books. We met so many interesting people. We really did. I've enjoyed all of them. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed our discussion of marshmallow clouds as much as we enjoyed discussing marshmallow clouds. <laughs> <laughs> our website is frontporchbookclub.com. Our episodes come out twice a month on the first and third Wednesday of each month. All right, Lenny. See you next time. Okay. Bye-bye.